Okay, we are in Genesis chapter 43. Genesis chapter 43, and we read the first half of the chapter last time. And the, the sons of Jacob have returned to Egypt with the youngest brother, Benjamin, as was required of them, was required of them to do that in order to get more food. And we know from verse, from verse 10 of chapter 43, for if we had not delayed, surely by now we could have returned twice. So what we said last time is we looked through about how much time it would take to go from the, the valley by Hebron to Egypt. And it's about 450 miles, maybe even a little further than that. And that's at least 40 days. Uh, uh, so, so, uh, it would be, it would be 40, 40 days to, to do that round trip. And so if they, if it, if it were twice, we're somewhere about three months, three months from when they had first gotten food. Now you've got another 40 days over there. So maybe somewhere like four and a half months, five months. If they had brought back more food than, than we had estimated, it, it might be six months. But it's not more than six months before they're returning now to Egypt. And it's in verse 15, it says, So the men took this present, and they took double the money in their hand, and Benjamin, and then they arose, and they went down to, they went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. So verse 16 of chapter 43, we'll start reading from there. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to his house steward, Bring the men into the house, and slay an animal, and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. So the man did as Joseph said, and brought the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid, because they were brought to Joseph's house, and they said, It is because of the money that was returned in our sacks the first time that we are being brought in, that he may seek occasion against us, and fall upon us, and take us for slaves, with our donkeys. So they came near to Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house and said, O oh my Lord, we indeed came down the first time to buy food and it came about when we came to the lodging place that we opened our sacks and behold, each man's money was in the mouth of his sack and our money, our money in, uh, our money in full. So we have brought it back in our hand. And we have also brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. He said, be at ease, do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. Then the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and washed their feet, and he gave their donkeys fodder. So they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they, for they heard that they were to eat a meal with him there. All right, so um, they go down in and, and just try to capture this scene. We don't know exactly what it looked like, but we know certain things about what's going on. So all the people who are coming from foreign lands outside of Egypt have to funnel into one place. It seems as if this was well strategized by Joseph that he, as soon as he knew, as soon as he 
got out of prison when he knew that there was going to be a famine of seven years on the land. Why wouldn't he go back during that seven years of plenty to go see his family? Well, the scriptures don't tell us. We can conjecture all we want. Uh, it might be that he didn't go back because, uh, you know, if he could have gone on horses, he could have gone in his chariot. Remember, he had, he had access to Pharaoh's second chariot. Uh, he could have gone back with troops all around him. He wanted to teach his brothers and discern from whether his brothers were still, uh, uh, whether they, they'd confessed to these things, not out of pressure, but, but uh, in a proper sense. And they did confess to it. Back in chapter 42, they confessed to it in verse 21 and 22. They confessed to it and uh, they were remorseful. So he accomplished that through this. And now he wants to see how they treat Benjamin. Do they view him? First of all, had they killed Benjamin as they did, as they tried to do with him or sold Benjamin into slavery? Had they been jealous of Benjamin like they had been of him? And he wants to teach them something. And now I can also see why he might not want to go back during the seven years of plenty. He has a job to do, a big job to do. And he is a Hebrew. There is a lot of resentment. So the last thing you want to do is leave your position. Uh, uh, you know, you don't want to leave this position for, for, uh, for a period of time. So if, he's, it's, if it's 40 days in transit, maybe another 20 days there visiting, he would be gone several months. And that's not good when, when you really don't know a whole lot about about this country to begin with, or you're a foreigner in this country to begin with. And so now he strategizes, and he knows that they're going to be coming to him. Now imagine on this day, it says that people had to go and appear before him to buy food. He is an overseer, so he's probably watching all these people come in, probably in lines, because he's an orderly, very orderly person, in lines forming, and he's able to see from a long way off, there's probably the money handlers there collecting money and people bagging things in sacks for people. A lot of commerce going on because people from all over that region are coming to Egypt to buy food. Everyone from the land of Canaan is coming in to buy food and maybe beyond because it's known that there is food in Egypt. And so he sees his brothers whether they see him at this point, we don't know, but he sees them coming in. And so it, it, it says that, that uh, um, when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, so he sees his brothers, he can identify them, he knows what they look like, he knows because they're dressed like Hebrews, they have long beards like Semitic people, and they're coming in and the Egyptian men were, for the most part, clean shaven. And, uh, um, and then, then he sees that there's another man with them, and so now he says to his steward, he says, bring the men, those men in. He says, he says, uh, 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 it said, he said to his house steward. So this is the person in charge of his house. So remember, he used to be in charge of Potiphar's house. Now he has a person in charge of his house who's probably extremely efficient man because uh, he works for a man of high efficiency. And uh, he says, you take those men and you bring them into my home. And he knows, he knows those men from the last time they were there. And so they get pulled out of the line to buy food and they're told they're going to the house. Uh, uh, they're going, he, he, he says that these men are going to dine with me at noon. He tells his steward, he says, you go and you kill an animal because, and you make it ready because they're going to dine with me at noon. And noon was the big meal 
in the Middle East, and it still remains the big meal time in the Middle East. And it says, uh, uh, so the man did as Joseph said and brought the men to Joseph's house. Now, where was Joseph's house? Joseph's house was adjacent to Pharaoh's house because he wanted Joseph over his house, remember. And we hear in another occasion that Pharaoh's, he didn't want Pharaoh's uh, 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 servants to hear him weeping. But all people heard him. So his house was right adjacent to, to Pharaoh's house, maybe even part of the same complex. And this is where all this was taking place. Uh, so the man did in verse 17, as Joseph said, and brought the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house and said, it is because of the money that was returned in our sacks for the first time that we are being brought in that he may seek occasion against us and fall upon us and take us for slaves and our donkeys. So it's just like they had done to Joseph. Joseph came in unaware and they took they, they, they took him and they, they, they ripped his, 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 his multicolored tunic off of him and they sold him into slavery. The very thing that they had done to Joseph all these years later is coming upon them. Well, how many years later is it? Well, we know exactly how many years later it is because we're told Joseph was 17 when he was sold into Egypt. He was 30 when he appeared before Pharaoh. So he was a slave and he was in prison for 13 years. And then, so he's at that time 30, and then there's seven years of plenty, that would make him 37, and now we're two years into the famine. We know we're two years into the famine, because it says it in, in, chapter, in chapter 45, verse 6, it says, for the famine has been in the land these two years. So he's 39 years old, so Joseph's 39, that would make his brother Benjamin 33 because we know he's six years older than, than, uh, than Benjamin. His mother died, died in childbirth giving birth to Benjamin. He was six years old at the time. And then, then his brothers would then therefore all be in their 40s. So all of his brothers are in their 40s. And uh, um, so it has been it is, it, w- w- something that had happened uh, when, when Joseph was 17... So, so we're 22 years. Something that happened 22 years ago is causing them to think the same thing is going to happen to them. And you know, there, there is an interesting scripture. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 2, Matthew chapter 7 verse 2, for in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So, you, you, you know, uh, uh, there's another verse in scripture that says, whatever man sows, the book of Galatians says, whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. And uh, um, this is just, just something to, because I, I see all this, that, that many people have, are now becoming social judges. And on Twitter and on, on social media, they are the judges of everybody else. And they are the definers of what is right and what is wrong. And, and they are then speaking up and saying, oh, that's wrong. How could that person do that? And I would just, just forewarn you, if you become the judge of others, if, if you are the woke crowd that can become the, 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 uh, the judge of others, these, by the same way, you yourself will be judged. If you want the world judging you the same way, you go ahead and judge others. Go ahead. It might not happen right away. It might not happen for two decades. We're 22 years into this. But it will come. It will come. 
Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. In this, by your same standard, it will be measured to you. So I don't want to get on social media and judge anybody. <clears throat> the judgment is up to God. Because I know in the same way that I judge others, I shall be judged. The same way you judge others, you shall be judged. <clears throat> so so uh, I, w- I would advise you, don't become part of the woke crowd because all of us, all of us have, have many sins in our life that people could key in on. And all of us are going to write things and say things that other people are going to find despicable. And uh, uh, so just you show mercy and you will receive mercy. You show judgment and you'll receive judgment. These men are very worried that the same thing that they did to the brothers now going to come to them, that they're going to be, it says in, at the end of verse 18, <clears throat> he's going to take, take us for slaves and take our donkeys. Yep, exactly what you did to your brother you feel is going to come upon you. There's just guilt that follows you when you do wrong and you walk in unrepentance. Verse 19, so they came near Joseph's house steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. So before they get into the house, they want to head this thing right off. They want this house steward at least to be on their side to say, hey, these men already confessed to me that the money was in their sacks. So they're trying to head off what they think is going to be the judgment being brought into the house of of Joseph, where they think Joseph is going to judge them and then fall upon them. And he says, they said to him, Oh, my Lord. So here are these men speaking to a house steward and saying, My Lord. They realize that they are in big trouble. And their only hope is to get this house steward upon their side. Oh, my Lord. We indeed came down the first time to buy food, and it came about when we came to the lodging place that we opened our sacks, and behold, each man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full. So we brought it back in our hand. And so remember, what what Joseph had done is he had each man's money, specific money, because we're told in verse 35 of chapter 42 that each man's bundle the exact bundle of money that each man brought. So they didn't have one pile of cash between them. Each man carried his own cash. And that's wise because if, if somebody gets lost or somebody gets slain or there's a, there's a robbery, the money's spread out between them. It's not all on one man. Each man's money was put in his own sack. Not the equivalent of it, but each man's bundle. And they say that when we got into the lodging place, actually there was only one of the 10 brothers that had been there found it in the lodging place along the way. The other, 90, the other nine guys, find, not nine brothers, found it when they got home. And uh, it, was, it was in one of the sacks because Joseph had given them separate provisions for along the way. And so that's in verse 35 of chapter 42, verses, uh, um, verses, verses uh, verse 27 of chapter 42. And so they explained this to him. And he says in verse 22, we've brought down other money in our hand to buy food. We did not know who put money in our sacks. So they're trying to be very forthright with this thing. Now come these words that are like the words of an angel. It says, he said, be at ease. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. I want to read this to you in the Young's literal translation because I think it's, 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 it's actually a lot more poignant. Rather than saying, uh, be at ease, it says, peace to you. So the precise wording here 
is actually peace to you. So in other words, they come to him. These guys are terrified. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. If you've traveled abroad and, and uh, you start getting into things are not going well when, when you get into the, the immigration hold of, of these certain places. I, I was once uh, traveling to Saudi Arabia. I was to give a one-week short course at Saudi Aramco in Saudi Arabia. And uh, I had put on my, on my uh, uh, visa, when it, it, you have to state your religion on your visa. So I put on my visa Christian because I believe Jesus is the Son of God. But it is also well known that I am a Jew by birth who believes Jesus is the Messiah. Well, I got to the, the Saudi Arabia and they had already, I already, already had a visa. I had put on my visa application that I was a Christian. So I had the visa and it was in my passport. And I get to, there's a long line in it, tiny little words it says for foreigners. And, uh, um, uh, it's big in Arabic and it was small in English and so you had to move up to the front of the line to see and then you go back to the line and this long line. Finally, you know, you're traveling 23 hours and then you're standing on line. I finally get there and the guy brings me up in a computer and he looks at me and he says, Yehudi, Yehudi, Yehudi means Jew. And he says, Yehudi, and he starts shouting, Yehudi, Yehudi, Yehudi. And so you can imagine that's not very comfortable in Saudi Arabia and everybody's looking at this Yehudi. And uh, um, so then, then we went through several things. I mean, he, he asked me for my passport and my boarding pass. And so I had my boarding pass with my passport and I gave it to him. And he goes off and he disappears for a while. Then after 10 minutes, he comes back, he gives me my passport. And then he says to me, let me see your, your boarding pass. So I opened my passport. It's not there. And, and I said, you took this with my boarding pass, and now my boarding pass isn't here. He said, give me your boarding pass. I said, my boarding pass was in there. And so this was now a game. And so then uh, this went back and forth for a while, and he said, go sit, over, go sit on that seat. And I, I mean, so I'm sitting in this seat, and I'm not getting through. I traveled 23 hours. It's not comfortable. That's all I'm trying to say. So I, I could go into great detail on what happened in this. But anyway, I finally got through. But this is not comfortable for these guys. Now, I wasn't worried that I was going to be put into, into, uh, into chains, but, but these guys are really worried. And it's, it's terribly unsettling. And they're tired. They've gone a long way. And so these things are happening to them. And it says, uh, uh, he says to him in verse 23, he says, uh, um, peace to you. Peace to you. This is a proclamation. Peace to you. This is, this is well-defined words. We, we take this uh, uh, as, as a bunch of platitudes. This is not, not to these people. He's proclaimed over him, peace to you. Then he says, fear not. Peace to you, fear not. You have nothing to be afraid of. I would have loved to have heard somebody in that moment when I'm sitting in Saudi Arabia, somebody to say, peace to you, fear not to speak to me a comforting word. Then he says, Your God and the God of your Father hath given to you hidden treasure in your bags. Your God and the God of your Father. Now, how does this house steward know who their God is? How does this house steward know who their Father's God is? How does he know that this is going to bring any comfort to them? 
This is not how Egyptians speak. Remember, Pharaoh is to them a God. He says, your God and the God of your father. This house steward appears like he's in on the charade. He's he's in on this plan of Joseph. It appears as if he's in on this. He says, your God, and also that he had been evangelized by Joseph, that this man understood the God of the Hebrews. This is who he's referring to. Your God and the God of your fathers. Here is Joseph in this land of Egypt, a foreigner in the land of Egypt, and he is influencing people around him to teach them about his God. And this is something we really ought to be doing. If people around you do not know that you're a believer, you haven't spoken up enough. If people who work for you do not know you're a believer, you haven't spoken up enough. There's a guy on this on this call right now, on this Zoom call. I mean, every time you get on the phone with him, he gets done. He says, can we pray? Can we pray? Even when there's unbelievers on the phone, he says, can we pray? I mean, you you can't be on a phone call with this guy without knowing that he's a believer. If your people with whom you work do not know you're a believer, there's a problem there. There should be enough of Jesus coming out of you, enough sharing coming out of you. And Watchman Nee says, if we don't speak up, they'll never know. If we speak up, they start holding us accountable. They hold us accountable for our actions, as they should. They should hold us accountable for our actions. And uh, um, and so, you know, it's interesting... Many people in my research group get saved. I mean, just, just, I mean, there's people on this call, several people on this call that got saved while they were doing their degrees or their postdocs in my group. They're on this call right now. And, uh, um, but there are others who I find out just, just a couple weeks ago, I, I did, uh, one, one, uh, YouTube video and somebody had seen it and they, they wrote back to me and he had been in my group about, 15 years ago, and at the time he never became a believer, but he says, I just want you to know I'm a believer now. I love Jesus now. And so, so he had been influenced even when he was in the group. This man is influencing people around him. He says, your God and the God of your father hath given hidden treasure into your bags. Your God and the God of your father hath given hidden treasure. There's hidden treasure in your bags. You're looking at this as if as if this was happenstance, as if it was a mistake, as if it was an error, as if it it had been an error. No, God has given you this treasure. How many things in our lives do we overlook? How many things in my life do I overlook and think that, oh, this this thing just happened to fall upon me? No, every good gift is from above, the Bible says. The Bible tells us that, that all of these things are given from above. In James, the epistle of James, chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Every good gift you have is from God. Everything is from God. You know, you, you can say, well, what, why, is, why is it so hard to be on campus right now? you got to wear a mask. You can't do like... You know, just think of the days that you were applying to Rice, just hoping that you would get admitted to Rice, that you are even at the university is a blessing. It is a blessing. God has given you many gifts. There is treasure in your bags that you don't even know about. 
that you can even be on campus, that you can even, that you even have the electronics to have a call, that you can even do, this is all because of the grace of God. How many things we overlook, how many things come upon us and we think that, oh, maybe this is, God is gracious. Your God and the God of your father has placed treasure in your bags. And then he goes on to say, he says, he says, uh, your money came unto me. You know, the New American Standard says, I had your money. But actually, the real translation of that is, your money came unto me. In other words, they had given their bags of money in exchange for food. Those same bags of money, by Joseph's command, was transferred to the house steward. And though that house steward placed each man's money back in his sack. Your money, which you had given to the people who exchange money for food, it came to me. It says, your money came to me. It made its way back to the house steward. The house steward was the one who oversaw it going back into specifically that particular man's bag. Look at the care that Joseph has, particularly in looking after these people. That's like God. He looks at us with particular care. And he focuses right in on us and gives us this amazing care. And then what he does is he brings comforting words to us, speaking peace to us. These words of comfort. God does this very specifically. And just like this house steward, he's like an angel. This house steward is like an, a guardian angel for these men. And he takes them and it says, the man brought, in verse 24, the man brought the men into Joseph's house, so Joseph's not there yet, into Joseph's house, and gave them water. It's a long journey, 40, 50 days traveling, well, round trip. So 20, 25 days round, uh, uh, they had been traveling. He gave them water, and he washed their feet. Washing the feet of people is not what you do to somebody who you're going about to enslave. This brings them great comfort. This man's like an angel. He, he, he has their feet washed, and he gave their donkeys fodder. So he, he commands that their donkeys be taken and, and, and be refreshed. And so he has their donkeys given water, their donkeys given, giving food. These are the donkeys that are going to have to carry all the food back with them. And so you see the care. This is like an angel. God surrounds us with angelic presence. If you don't believe in angels, you know what you got to do? You got to get your Bible and tear out every page that talks about angels. Tear out every page that talks about spirits. All right? Just tear it out. If, that, if you don't believe in it, I mean, it is there for a reason. Jesus speaks of guardian angels, angels that watch over us. Jesus speaks about this. You want to tear out Jesus' words too? And so this man is like an angel dealing with them. And, and, uh, uh, and so you see this type of care where he says, peace. He says, he says, your God and the God of your father has given treasure into your, into your, into your bags, into your sacks. I want you to see the words of Jesus, the comforting words of Jesus that he does in John chapter 14. Turn to John chapter 14, verse 27. John chapter 14, verse 27. Look at the peace that is promised to us in Jesus. Look at this peace. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, Jesus says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
Whose peace can we get? We can get the peace of Jesus. This is the same Jesus who we never saw him to be worried. We never saw him fretting. We never saw him anxious because all the leaders and the Pharisees were speaking against him. You think because a couple of people speak against you, a couple of unknown people speak against you or write a bad word about you, that's something? Compared to what was happening to Jesus where he had all the leadership, all the, the, the Jewish leadership, leadership speaking against him, we never see him fretting. We never see him worrying. Always come. He says, my peace I give to you. My peace I give to you, Jesus says. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Because, you know, you have peace in the world. You have peace treaties. They come and go. They're broken and people don't observe them. He says, my peace I give to you. My peace is very different. It's not on the level of this world. My peace stands over this world that I can give to you that in spite of what the world is doing, my peace is for you. He says, don't let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. This is a command. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. He does not say, I suggest you don't let your heart be troubled. I suggest that to you. No, this is not a suggestion. Jesus says, do not. What part of do not is a suggestion? This is a command. Jesus commands us, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not. So when my heart is troubled, I am disobeying a commandment of Jesus. Further up in that chapter, in verse 23, it talks about if we keep the commandments of Jesus, that Jesus and his Father will make his abode with us. We have to keep his commandment. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. If I am afraid, if I walk in fear because of this COVID thing, because I might get, you know, this SARS-CoV-2 or something, I don't have to walk in fear. That doesn't mean that I walk it, 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 you know, that I just go up and start hugging and kissing everybody in the hospital who's got COVID. No, you know, I take precautions, but I am not to walk in fear. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. This is a commandment. This is how we attain the peace of God. This is the peace that Jesus promises to us. I want you to turn over a couple of pages into John chapter 16, verse, verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. Take courage, I have overcome the world. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Where do we have peace? In Jesus. Every good thing that we have in life is because of Jesus. Every good thing. You can never say enough good things about Jesus, the Son of God. This is why God said that, that, listen to my son. Listen to him. This is what he told them on the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This was God's instruction. Listen to him. Jesus says, says this, so God the Father says, listen to my son. And what does his son say? He says, I've spoken these things so that in me you may have peace. If you are in Christ, you can have peace. If you do not know Jesus this day, there is no promise of peace for you. 
Let your heart be unsettled. Let it not have any rest until you come and bow your knee before the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to Jesus, then you will have peace. Not before. When you come to Jesus, this peace is offered to you. Let your heart be troubled. Let it be fearful if you do not know Jesus. Because in this world, you have tribulation. Jesus never says, oh, I'm going to make everything peaceful in the world around you. I mean, we are in a state of upheaval like I've never seen. Now, it's nothing like what's happened in the past to former generations. I mean, people lived in villages. They never knew when, pe- when, their, when their village would be overrun and wiped out. And it happens in many parts of the world today. Today, you go to Christian villages in Pakistan and they never know when there's going to be, be large groups of people going to come and, and uh, just tear them to pieces and light their village on fire. What we are going through is nothing compared to what the saints of the past and what people all over the world today are going through. That's not to say it's not disruptive to our little world around us. It is disruptive. But Jesus said... In this, in the world, you have tribulation. In the world, you have tribulation. Jesus said it. So it's not to say, what, what's happening? What? Oh, it, it's just what I told you. I told you in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You know, I warned you about this. I forewarned you. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Jesus said that in the world, you have tribulation. He says, so that in me, you may have peace. It's in Jesus, you have peace. You come and you spend some time at the feet of Jesus and you say, Lord, you've commanded me to walk in peace. You've commanded me not to fear. You've commanded that my heart not be troubled. Lord, my heart is so stirred up. Bring peace as I spend time with you. Lord, bring peace into my life. Learn to get alone with God. If you can get on your knees, do that. Get on your knees before God and say, Lord, just just in your own time alone, just say, Lord, bring me peace. Lord, bring peace upon me. And I will confess, there are times I wake up in the morning and my heart is just so flustered with the the infinite list of things that I have to do. And students know about infinite lists because as you know as students, you can never be caught up. You can never be caught up. There's always more you can do. There's always more, more, more problem sets that you can do. There's always more that you can do. So you're never totally caught up. So when people say, oh, you had all day to study. Are you all caught up now? Any student is like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't. And, and I've been there. I know it. you can never be all caught up. And so, so, Lord, I pray that you give me peace in the midst of this. Lord, you've commanded me to walk in peace. Lord, it says, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. Lord, in you I can have peace. In you there is peace. Lord, may I take your peace upon me. In the world you have have tribulation, but take courage. Again, there is a command, but take courage. We are commanded to walk courageously. We are not commanded to, to, to just stay back and be a bunch of sissies. We're not. We're standing, we're, we're called to be courageous. When other people are afraid, we are called to walk in courage. He says, but take courage. I have overcome the world. My Jesus has overcome the world. My Jesus has overcome Satan. My Jesus has defeated sin and defeated death. Lord, I take your peace upon myself. I just take your peace upon myself. I guarantee you, you spend 20 minutes in God's presence like that, speaking these things over these last two verses over yourself from John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. You speak these over yourself. 
you will come out much stronger than you went in. Much stronger. You want to have peace and you will get peace this way. How do I know? Because Jesus is the one who said it. This is not my words. These are his words. And I, if you do not know the, the Lord, I urge you this day to accept the Lord. I urge you this day to invite Jesus into your life. Do this. Don't let this day pass by. You can send me an email and I'll spend, I'll spend an hour with you by Zoom just telling you about specifically how you can come to the Lord. But it, you can do this right now. You can say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for my sins. And I believe in you. I believe you've risen from the dead. And Jesus can come into your life. Send me an email. Tell me about that. I'm going to hook you up with somebody to get you into a Bible study. You can do that by Zoom. We'll get you hooked up in a Bible study and we'll get you growing. No matter where you live, I'll get somebody to meet with you by Zoom and, 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 or, or, and, and some other electronic method. And, and uh, uh, you can grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. Grow in your understanding. Grow in your peace. Because there is salvation in Jesus Christ and in Him only. And in Him there is peace. He gives us his peace. There is peace in Jesus. And he says, it's my peace I leave with you. This is the peace of Jesus. It's not some esoteric peace. It's not some peace like the world gives. It's not some peace like, like a counselor can even give. This is the peace that comes from God through his son, through whom every good gift is given. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the truth of your word. You are so good. Lord, I thank you for the peace that we have in Jesus. The peace that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you share with us your very peace. Your peace you put upon us. Lord, I thank you that you have commanded us not to fear. Not to allow our hearts to be troubled. Not to be dismayed. You have commanded us to walk in courage. Father, I pray for these young students that you would give them courage and that you would give them your peace. I pray for the believers on this line that you give them your peace. That in the midst of this, you give them your peace. Your very peace because you have been through so much more than what we are going through. So much more. And yet you had peace. Lord, we call down your peace upon us according to your word. And Lord, I pray for the unbelievers who are here, who have no peace. I pray, Lord, that you draw them to your son, that because of Jesus, they would pray this very day, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I believe that you are Lord, and I believe that you have risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit and let them grow. Lord, I commit this day to you. By your gracious hand, have mercy upon these people. In the name of Jesus, amen.